Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If. Only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. It was supposed to be a relaxing camping trip with my friend. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. A chance to escape the hustle and bustle of the city and reconnect with nature. We had arrived at the campsite in the late afternoon, eager to set up our tents and start a fire. But as night fell, we realized that something was very wrong. At first, it was just a few strange noises coming from the woods, rustling leaves, snapping twigs, and the occasional animal call but then the noises started getting louder and closer. We could hear something moving through the underbrush, something that was big and powerful. We tried to ignore it at first, chalking it up to our imaginations or the natural sounds of the wilderness. But as the night wore on, the noises grew more frequent and more menacing. 
We could hear something breathing heavily, as if it was right on top of us. And then we heard the growl. It was like nothing I had ever heard before. It was deep and guttural, and it made the hairs on the back of my neck stand up. We realized then that we were being stalked by something dangerous and deadly, something that we couldn't see or identify. We huddled together in our tents, trying to stay quiet and still, but the predator was relentless, circling our campsite and growling menacingly. It was like a nightmare come to life, and we were powerless to stop it. When the sun finally rose, we emerged from our tents, shaken but alive. We packed up our things and made our way to the ranger station, desperate for help. But when we told the park ranger about our experience, he dismissed it as a wild animal or a trick of the mind. We pleaded with him, telling him that we had heard something that was too big and too powerful to be a mere animal. But he just shook his head and told us that we were letting our imaginations get the best of us. Defeated and terrified, we left the ranger station and made our way back to civilization. But the memory of that night stayed with us, haunting us for years to come. We never did find out what that predator was or why it had chosen to stalk us. But one thing was for sure, we would never forget the horror that we had experienced in that remote campsite. The horror that lurks just beneath the surface of the natural world, waiting to strike when we least expect it. I had always found solace in the beauty of nature, and as a park ranger, it was my job to ensure that visitors experienced the same sense of wonder and awe that I did. So when my childhood friend, Mike, decided to come visit me, I knew exactly where to take him, the Ozarks. We set up our campsite by a picturesque lake surrounded by towering trees that rustled gently in the cool breeze. As night fell, we sat by the campfire, sipping on beers and reliving old memories. The stars twinkled above us, casting an ethereal glow over the landscape. It was the perfect night. But as the fire died down, a strange sound interrupted our peaceful reverie. It was a low, guttural growl that seemed to come from deep within the forest. Mike and I exchanged nervous glances, and without a word, we grabbed our flashlights and ventured into the woods. The moon was full, casting an eerie light on our path as we made our way through the trees. But the growling continued growing louder and more menacing with every step we took. It sounded like some kind of wild animal, but I couldn't place the species. I'd never heard anything like it before. We followed the sound deeper and deeper into the forest, our hearts pounding with fear and adrenaline. But as we rounded a bend in the trail, the growling suddenly stopped. We shone our flashlights around, searching for any sign of the creature, but there was nothing there. We stood there in silence for a few moments, catching our breath and trying to make sense of what had just happened. That's when we heard it, a rustling in the bushes nearby. We both trained our flashlights on the spot, but all we could see were leaves and branches swaying in the breeze. Suddenly Mike let out a blood-curdling scream. I whipped around to see what had happened and saw him lying on the ground, clutching his leg. I rushed over to him and saw that he had been bitten by something. A snake, I realized, as I saw the telltale fang marks on his cap. We were miles from civilization, and I knew we had to act fast. 
I used my first aid kit to clean the wound and immobilize his leg, and we set off towards the nearest ranger station, with me carrying Mike on my back. It was a grueling journey, but we finally made it, and Mike was rushed to the hospital. I am BI Agent Kate, and I have been assigned to investigate a string of disappearances in a remote national park. The disappearances have all occurred in the same area, and the victims have never been found. The locals believe that a cryptid is responsible for the attacks, and it's my job to investigate. I arrived at the park and began my investigation. I spoke to the locals and scoured the woods for any signs of the creature, but nothing came up and I was starting to feel frustrated. One night, as I was walking back to my cabin, I heard a strange noise. It was a low growl, and it seemed to be coming from the woods. I hesitated, unsure of what to do, but I knew I had to investigate. As I walked into the woods, the sounds grew louder. I could hear twigs snapping underfoot, and the growling grew more intense. Suddenly, something lunged at me from the darkness. I didn't even have time to react. I hit the ground hard, and the creature was on top of me. I tried to fight back, but it was too strong. It was unlike anything I'd ever seen before. It had long, razor-sharp claws, and its skin was mottled with green and brown. Its eyes glowed in the darkness, and its breath was hot against my face. I tried to reach for my gun, but it was too late. The creature's jaws closed around my neck, and I knew that I was done for. I could feel its teeth sinking into my flesh, and I knew that I had only moments left to live. But then something strange happened. The creature suddenly recoiled as if it had been burned. It let out a loud screech and ran off into the woods. I lay there gasping for breath and trying to process what had just happened. I managed to make it back to my cabin, but I was in bad shape. The creature had left deep wounds on my neck, and I knew that I needed medical attention. But more than that, I knew that I had to warn the others. I reported the incident to my superiors, and they sent a team to investigate. They found evidence of the creature, and I was hailed as a hero for surviving the attack. But even as I accepted their praise, I knew that something wasn't right. The woods were full of secrets, and I had just uncovered one of the darkest We were camping with a summer adventure program at Indian Crossing. When it started to get darker, we decided to play a game similar to Capture the Flag. My friend and I left a few minutes early to go hide when we saw a large object or creature that had red eyes in the glare of our flashlight. It was too tall to be a bear and too big to be a human, and the eyes weren't a deer's eyes because they were for sure red. It wasn't moving, really, but we didn't get to see it for very long because we got scared and ran back to camp. We told Jeff, our camp leader, what had just happened, and he seemed to have believed us, unlike all the other kids. We were still scared, but Jeff wanted to go exploring to see if we could find more evidence. We found broken trees and also fallen logs that were ripped open somehow. I don't know if Jeff was just trying to scare us or not, but he said there was a dead deer on the side of the road that was nearby the campground that didn't look like it got hit by a car. About a half of a year later, my mom said she talked to this botanist that was at Blue Hole, a place about two miles from the Bigfoot sighting. 
and she saw tracks that were really big and couldn't be human. She took pictures of the tracks, but I haven't seen yet. My friend and I honestly think we saw Bigfoot, so we have been doing all this research. We are destined to find Bigfoot again and prove everyone wrong. I stayed after school one late December afternoon, 2022, two months ago, in the Roanoke, Virginia area for a basketball game. After the game, I walked to the nearby church lot waiting for my dad. It was already dark. As I stood waiting, I felt like someone or something was watching me. I turned around and saw the shadow of a man behind a bush. I instantly ran to the other side of the street. I caught my breath and slowly walked back to the other side of the church. I would be able to see my dad drive up. As I stood there keeping an eye out for my dad and for other shadows, I saw two deer along the edge of the woods. I put some space between me and the deer. I watched the deer as they began to move around. I watched closely as one of the deer seemed to have a bad back leg or was injured. I began to walk in the direction of the deer in order to get a better look. When I came within 20 feet or so of the deer, I stopped. I was literally frozen and terrified at the same time. I realized that these were not deer. They both had oddly shaped heads with patches of hair that seemed to be stitched onto their bodies. It actually looked like human skin was underneath the patches. Then both deer looked in my direction and slowly stood up on their back legs. They then started to run in my direction, chasing me back to the church lot. I was yelling and running at the same time, so loud that my dad heard me a block away. I ran towards my home neighborhood, but my dad happened to see me and caught up. As he stopped ahead of me, I jumped into the passenger seat, yelling, Go! 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 He asked me what the hell was I yelling and running for. I couldn't answer him. I was absolutely freaked out. The ten-minute drive home was surreal as I was thinking about what I had experienced and what I was going to tell my dad. When we got home and after I calmed down a bit, my mom and dad sat at the dining room table with me and listened to my description of the encounter. They actually listened. They knew by my demeanor that something had really occurred. Later that night, while I was in my room watching television, my dad came into my room and wanted to talk. He told me about an encounter that he had several years previously with a deer while he and my uncle were hunting in the nearby mountains. His description was very much like mine. He had told my mom about it at the time, so now I know why they didn't question my sanity when we talked. Can you tell me what I encountered that day? I see references to Wendigos and not deer when I started to research on Google. Is that what I witnessed? Is that what my dad witnessed? At the time of this incident, I was a contracted delivery driver for an auto parts distributor. I traveled this section of Interstate 5 Monday through Friday, towing a 16 enclosed trailer with my 3 fourth ton Dodge four-wheel drive truck. As was typical for a weeknight at 1 o'clock in the morning, there was nearly no other traffic on the road with me. With my cruise control set at 73 miles per hour, my headlights lit up something laying centered in the right-hand lane directly in front of me. I knew there was going to be contact, but rather than swerve and risk losing control, I chose to line up and attempt to strike the object with the undercarriage of my truck. 
I don't remember touching the brakes or making any FMAP to slow down. In the seconds leading up to impact, all I could do was brace myself and wonder what it was that I was about to splatter down the highway. Grabbing as many miles as I did I had, or thought I had, seen every form of indigenous wildlife Oregon has to offer. Either alive and scampering or squished beside the road, I didn't need to see more than a glimpse of fur to identify a critter, even at night. As I closed on this object, I couldn't identify it. It had the coloration of deer, but it was much bigger. It wasn't an elk, as I didn't see any legs or the characteristic outline of the hip, shoulders, and tapered neck it had been laying the other way. This was fast turning from an object to a body. A large, hairy body laying in the fetal position with its back facing me. As weird as this was, it was about to get even more interesting. Confused with what I was seeing and braced for what was going to be a bumpy ride, something flashed directly in front of my bumper from left to right. As close as this thing was to my truck, all I could see was the flash of brownish-gray hair as it crossed in front of me. It was like sitting parked in a car at night and someone walks from one side of the car to the other. All you see is the strobe effect as they pass in front of the headlights. But I was moving at 70 miles per hour. I'm 5 feet 10 tall and if I stood next to the headlights on my truck, my shoulders are at the height of the headlights. What I saw was more the rib section of the creature that crossed in front of me. Whatever this was, it was big enough, strong enough, fast enough, and felt the need to pull a 600-pound creature out of the way of my truck, because not only did I miss what ran in front of me, I didn't hit anything. My wife and I were traveling to the Smoky Mountains from Ohio on an anniversary getaway. We usually avoid highways in our travels and instead prefer the scenic and slower-paced state routes of my childhood. This trip stood out as quite a disaster as we struggled with both the GPS and paper maps while navigating a route I was at least somewhat familiar with. Navigational errors are not our norm, and we quickly found ourselves having an uncharacteristic argument that kept fairly heated, but was nonsensical. It was like we spoke different languages and were looking at different maps. We eventually found ourselves in increasingly less populated areas and poorer road conditions. For those not familiar with the area, being in central Kentucky, the forest is hilly and expansive, dotted with small towns and the occasional privately owned farm amidst all the federal land. We had eventually quieted down, anxiously following the GPS as it cut in and out. Our anxiety grew until the GPS suddenly chimed in with turn left now. I responded by reluctantly starting the turn when my wife suggested it must be a shortcut we were unaware of. Upon completing the turn, I slowed. Seeing the road took a sudden drop in quality. Potholes large enough to get a tire stuck in. Overgrown scrub growth on the edges and ominous gnarled vines hanging down. The hair stood up on my neck as it still does right now as I ride it. Bringing the car to a stop, I asked my wife, Are you sure about this? As I looked towards her. No, we need to turn around, she starts to say, but is cut off. Almost frozen, staring at her phone. Not in the way a person freezes when terror sends their muscles trembling, but completely motionless. 
I instinctively slam it in reverse. Backing into the position, we came so that I could continue the course we were on. As we reached the end of our reverse turn, I slammed it into drive but went nowhere as the rear of the early 2000s Lincoln is lifted off the ground. Before I can process what is happening, something charged from the woods to our right. At first it was a large red blob that moved with a speed and grace that seemed unnatural to its grotesque nature. As it closed the gap, it was clear that it was running on all fours, but only partly so. Its forward movement agile, but uneven as it irregularly used its arms with its oddly bent hind legs. It was almost like its limbs were growing as it eventually came to stand on its hind legs and place its hands on the glass. Up close I could see what I thought was fur seemed more like strands of rotten flesh that grew as thick as a shaggy dog and smelled overwhelmingly of rotten fish and moss. Its hands looked nearly human were it not for the rotten fur and long claws. The face sticks with me as much as the smell being somewhat shaped like a human that has. Its face twisted and pulled forward in vague canine shape with large pointed ears toward the top of its head. Inside its snarling mouth were long narrow teeth that looked almost too large to close. But the eyes were the worst part, bloodshot and yellow. They leered at my wife with a hunger, the kind of hunger that promises unspeakable things. When you're in a flight or fight situation, you usually get that distinct moment of clarity where you make your choice even if it's one you are ashamed of. In that moment, I felt like a small dog defending my mate from a rabid wolf. I stomped the gas pedal and bellowed hard. Go now! In a series of loud noises that sounded more like barks than human noises, it jolted suddenly and the rear of the car drops leading to a loud peel-out. It kept pace with us, scratching at the car and banging on it until we broke 45 miles per hour, driving wildly through the winding country until we saw the lights of a town in the distance. We parked in a well-lit parking lot in the center of town next to a gas station. We busied ourselves as we inspected the car, reluctantly sharing what we thought we saw. She was in tears and sobbing about feeling a pressure in her head, and that she was conscious but paralyzed. Looking under the trunk, I spotted a cracked strut and a lump of the rotten flesh dangling from a frame member. The smell was still overpowering and sent us into a tear-filled hug as we stared at a piece of the filthy creature and realized it was likely at least two of them. The one in the window and the one that lifted the rear axle of the ground. Thoroughly shaken, we sat in the car facing opposite directions and discreetly unpacked our handguns and hid them under our blankets. We waited until nine or so before setting back off towards our destination by a highway. It was a cold and cloudy winter evening, and I had just woke up from a nice little power nap. I was tired as usual after every power nap, so I slowly got up and went to the kitchen to get something to eat. I got some food, heated it up, and went to go sit down and watch some YouTube. I sat down and found a video of urban legends on my home page. I was interested, so I clicked on it and watched it. It showed the usual goat man and moth man, but one urban legend caught my eye. An urban legend called the Orange Eyes. I was intrigued and watched it. The video creator said that it was a Bigfoot-type creature, 
It was tall and had glowing orange eyes. But what I was really surprised about was it was an urban legend from my state, so after I heard that information, I searched up where it supposedly it and found that it was only a 15-minute drive from me, so like any other adventurous human, I hit up my friend and asked if he wanted to come with me and go look for it. He told me that he doesn't believe in that stuff and it was a waste of time, but I begged him and finally, after a couple of minutes, he agreed. I was really excited. I got dressed and packed some flashlights because it was almost nine. After I was done packing up supplies, I got in my car and head to pick my friend up. When I got there, he didn't look too excited and said that he was tired. He got in the car and we were on our way. I told him the details and what the thing looked like, and he said that. There's no way that thing is real. I told him that it would be fun and that there's probably nothing out there. We got to the road that would take up straight to the area we could get out at to be closer to the forest entrance. While driving down the road, I couldn't help shake the feeling of being watched, but I tried to not notice the feeling and kept heading down to the entrance. We got to the entrance and I handed my buddy a flashlight because it was pitch black outside. I told him if he was ready and he said that he was good. So we start the nightmarish journey into the forest of the orange eyes. We walked for a good hour or so with nothing really happening. My buddy said that he was tired and wanted to go back home, but I told him let's stay for two more hours. He agreed and we continued walking. I couldn't shake off the feeling again of being watched. I told my friend if he felt the same way, and he said, yeah, ever since we turned onto the road, that headed down here, I felt like I was being watched. We both were on edge now as we continued forward, not too long after the feeling of being watched. We hear to our right something being snapped, like if someone or something stepped on a branch. We both jumped at the sound of it and pointed our flashlights over in the direction of the noise. But to our relief, it was just a little deer. We joked around with each other about who jumped more at the sound. We did this for a minute or two. We were in the middle of having a little argument when we heard heavy breathing coming from my left. We stopped arguing and listened closely to see if it was what we heard. We heard the heavy breathing like we thought we did. I didn't want to shine my light over there, so I tried to see if I could see anything. Thinking back to it, I wished I didn't look because what I saw would haunt me for the rest of my life. What I saw standing there behind a tree was ten-foot creature standing there with one of its eyes peering around the tree. And what shook me down to the core was that its eyes were orangish-red color. At this point, I wanted to pass out from fear, but I stopped that from happening. I looked at my buddy, and I could tell that he saw it too. I told him that we need to get out of here now before it's too late. We both agreed that we would take off at a dead sprint back to the car. I told him on three. We would go. I started to count, but I couldn't even get to two and felt a warm breath hit the back of my neck. At that point, I screamed, run. We kicked it into six gear and ran as fast as we could. As we were running, I heard the tree moving and felt the ground shaking. My lungs were burning from the thin, cold air. We ran for what felt like hours until we saw the car. I reached into my pocket for my car key and with one swift movement unlocked the car, opened the door, and turned the car on. 
I put the car in reverse so fast I felt like I could have been a stuntman for a racing movie. I hit the gas, flung the car around like an action movie. I put the car in drive and floored it down the road, never looking back once. Once we felt like we were a good distance away to ease up a bit, I asked my buddy if he was okay and he said he was fine. All I did on the drive home was think about how close the creature was to me, for me too, feel its breath. I dropped my buddy off and told him to be safe and take care. When I got home, I took everything off, took a shower, and went to bed. The next morning was good. I felt like the day before was just a bad dream. But I realized really soon that it was real because the backpack that I had used to carry my stuff had a big slash in it, probably from the thing or a tree branch. From when we were running away, I called my friend to check if he was all right and continued my day after. By now, I've kind of gotten over it and my friend doesn't think of it anymore. From that experience, I don't want to go to a forest to hike or camp anymore. I hope you take something from this and learn to not be stupid like me and go out to a forest at night. This happened when I was seven years old. I'm sharing this because my older brother reminded me of it, now that I'm 24, and now I can't get it out of my head. This was very traumatic for me because after this event, a bunch of other things started to happen. This is how it started, growing up and now. I live in a haunted state, and I live five miles away from the most victorious haunted forest. My mom used to tell my brothers and I about what she would hear walking by the forest, the murders that happened, and about how she used to see pukewudgies. My older brother, eleven at the time, let's call him Dan, at L at the dining eye, seven female, were watching TV in the living room. It was dark outside, must have been a new moon. If you were sitting on the couch and looked to your right, you would see the glass sliding door which viewed the backyard. Mind you, it was an acre lawn and tall trees lined the perimeter. I was tired and decided to get my ritual glass of milk before bed when I stood up and saw what was glaring at me through the glass door. It was tall, taller than the F door. It was skinny in the torso, but its chest was broad. It was white with tall ears. I want to say it looked like the white version of Donnie Darko. I was about fifteen feet from the glass door. I froze. It didn't move. It just kept looking at me. It could not have been anyone else, because we lived in the middle of the woods. I start calling for my brother's name, but Dan wasn't answering me. I started to get louder, now calling for my mom. Her room was on the other side of the couch, so she was there in a heartbeat. She looked at the back door, looked at Dan, then told me to just sit back down. I couldn't understand why I was the only one freaking the F out. I laid on the couch, facing away from the glass door. Dan puts a blanket on me and we both fell asleep on the couch. Well, 2020. One, Dan calls me from jail. He's been in and out since I was 13. This is how the conversation went. Dan, hey, can I ask you something? Me. What's up, Dan? Do you remember that night? Me? What night, Dan? That night where you were freaking out. We were young. Remember that tall, scary-looking thing that was at the back door? Mamie, I had a flashback of that night. Dan. Look, I had a dream about it last night, and I wanted to tell you that I saw it too. I was too scared to do anything. 
Mom saw it also. The convo ended because he only had so much time on the phone. I felt relief that I knew I wasn't just having a schizophrenic hallucination episode, but my body went numb from the memory of being so scared. I told my soulmate about it. He's my best friend. My friend told me that I came face to face with a Wendigo and how he wasn't be surprised because of the small country town I lived in. When I looked up what a Wendigo was, my heart sank. That's what I saw. Now I think about it every day. It's been a year since I was reminded of it. I believe it still follows me. So this happened last year, and almost every year I go to Palatka and go to a place called the Badlands. It's a giant tree farm that his family owns, but in general it's in the woods. So one day we were hanging at the angel tree, which is just a nice, giant, beautiful tree, and we heard a turkey because it's the wild, so my friend Andrew made the joke of saying how you never know when you'll have to shank a turkey. Either way, we went to go check it out. After we got like five feet onto the trail, the noises from the turkey stopped. Then I hear to my left while Andrew heard it to his right. We hear footstep now. Of course, you could have said how there's deer and other wildlife which there is, but it sounded like human footsteps, like you know the distinct noise of bare feet. That's what it sounded like. The second we heard that we ran to the ATV and went back to the house. I looked up if there is Navajo grounds in Florida and I kind of found something, I think, but the articles were all over the place. Ever since then, we haven't heard it again since, but we don't feel that safe going out in those woods anymore especially at night. Now again, I know this is a skinwalker subreddit, but I don't know if this was a skinwalker or a wendigo. I wanted to share something I experienced in 2018, which, after reading some of the descriptions here, made me think posting would be a good idea. Maybe someone can comment on whether this fits the profile or not. This happened in Urbana, Illinois during spring 2018 around 8 p.m. I was driving an SUV through a residential area, 30 miles per hour, with moderate street lighting. I was coming back home from grocery shopping and turned a corner into the usual street. After driving one block, I saw something similar to a large white silver dog figure suddenly run towards the right front wheel of my vehicle. I gag its size to be substantially larger than that of a German Shepherd, with an unusually bright hide. I brake quickly in fear of having run over it. Within seconds, I got off the car and performed a quick check. No signs of any injured animal, no nearby rustling into an unkempt garden next to where it all happened, no animal crossing the road. This took less than five seconds. Then I paused and saw the same figure two blocks away from where I was looking at me intensely for about 30 seconds. I looked back to the tire in my vehicle an instant, and it was suddenly gone when I checked again. All happened in less than a minute. After this, I drove around several blocks, without signs of any dog or similar animal nearby for about 10 minutes. Estimating the distance and time between events, I am certain that it is not feasible for a dog, much less such a large one, to run that quickly that distance particularly without seeing it under street lighting. Comments are welcome. <laughs>